Welcome to Questions That Matter, a podcast of the C.S. Lewis Institute. I'm your host, Randy Newman. On our podcast, we seek to promote discipleship of the heart and mind. And today, my conversation partner is uh, Sandy Smith, who leads tours around Belfast about C.S. Lewis and brings a, a wealth of knowledge about Lewis and the connection to our Christian faith. Sandy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be on with you. Uh, let me tell our listeners just a little bit about uh, Sandy. Uh, uh, I first met Sandy on our C.S. Lewis Institute study tour of Belfast and Oxford. Um, I immediately grabbed a hold of his book, C.S. Lewis and the Island of His Birth, the place, the stories, the inspiration, and I have learned so much from Sandy. Uh, let, let me just tell you, uh, Sandy uh, had a career in the world of engineering and, acad and academia. He's a graduate of uh, Queen's University of Belfast. He also got a PhD in engineering. He was in um, sort of in industry for a while, uh, being a consultant. He was in academia for a while as a lecturer at the University of Ulster. Uh, then he worked for the Department of Education there in Northern Ireland and also uh, helped out with a lot of teacher training and then also served for a number of years uh, with government. So he has had his uh, hand in a whole bunch of different directions. Uh, but for the past 20 years or so, he has helped people in Belfast, the land, the, the place where C.S. Lewis was born, uh, grow in appreciation for their, uh, their hometown hero. And he has led a number of tours. And uh, Sandy, I'm I'm just delighted to uh, have you on the podcast. Tell us, uh, tell us what are some of the things that you've uh, grown to appreciate about C.S. Lewis in these twenty years of leading tours? Well, yes, uh, that's uh, an interesting question to start with, uh, Randy. And uh, whenever I commenced these tours, it was really very serendipitous, almost because uh, after Norma, Norma and I were married uh, with our family, we went to live on the road that C.S. Lewis spent his boyhood on in Belfast. That was Circular Road in Belfast. And uh, during that time, I would have colleagues from the university around with us for dinner of an evening. And from time to time, the conversation would turn to things of interest and invariably it ended up with C.S. Lewis. And once or twice before dinner was actually ready, I would have said to the folk, would you like to take a walk up the road to see the house where the Lewis family lived? Mm -hmm. And we simply walked up before dinner. I showed them the house. We walked back and we had dinner and a bit of conversation. And um, a, a few of them were sort of more interested. They were intrigued to discover that uh, someone with an international reputation lived so close to me and that I had an interest in this. And um, when others came around to us, they would say, why don't you take the folk up and show them the house? And I would say, well, yes, if we've got a few more minutes, actually, you know, I could take you over and show you the house where he was born as well. That's that's a different location. <laughs> and uh, then folk got, uh, a couple of folks were very interested. And they said, well, did he spend much time here? I said, look, would you like to come over some evening and I'll show you where he was born. I'll show you the school that he went to. I'll show <laughs> you his home. I'll show you the church that his family went to. Oh, they thought that would be great. So I kind of did that just for a few friends. And uh, then I got phone calls a few times and folks said, you know, we have someone coming to stay with us. <laughs> and they're, they've read a few books by C.S. Lewis. And we told them about what you did with us. 
would you could you organize like an hour an hour and a half uh, for these folk so i started to do that and uh, that kind of just grew and eventually we had some discussions with folk here in belfast who were like-minded to myself uh, and we spoke to our tourist board and said you know we think we've got the makings of a nice little literary tour that just might be of interest to some of your overseas visitors and uh, yeah, from there, what happened eventually was they said to me, look, could you ever just give us the locations in Belfast that are associated with Lewis and his family? So I said, yeah, I, I can do that without difficulty. So I listed them, gave them the list. And uh, they came back and they said to me, um, you wouldn't ever write us a little script that <laughs> that we, we could kind of give to a guide. And I said, yes, that is not a difficulty. So I drafted them a script. And they, again, they took the script very graciously. They came back and uh, they said to me, you know, the script is great. No, no uh, criticisms or problem with the script. Just one thing. There's an awful lot of references to the literature. And if a guide were asked questions that are to one, <laughs> one side of the script, uh, they, they might be a bit nonplussed. Uh, and may not, I, love and I, it. Said, I said, look, guys, I, I'm sorry. There's no shortcut to reading. Whoever uh, you get to do this for you is going to have to read. So they, oh. uh, they said to me, look, um, we're going to launch this on either side of the films. This is the 2005 Warner Walden Media Films. Mm -hmm. they, they said, you wouldn't do a couple of these for us, you know, just on either side of the film launch. And we'll see how it goes. And after that, we'll maybe kind of get someone who can be trained up to do it. And uh, so I did it. And I'm going to tell you um, that in doing this, I had a sort of a number one, a preconceived notion as to the kind of people who would come on the tour. I thought they would all be more or less um, clones of myself with some kind of interest in, in C.S. Lewis and his work and his life. And what I discovered was there was such a spectrum of people. Like I, I, I would, in doing the tour, I would ask people, well, why did, why did you choose to come on the tour and how did you hear about it? And they would say things like, oh, I came on this tour because I'd never heard of C.S. Lewis. Oh my goodness, wow. And some people would have said to me, we, we ran these tours on a Saturday and Sunday across the weekends before the launch of the films. And uh, one guy with a very strong English accent said to me, he said, I came because there was nothing else to do in Belfast on a Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> you were the best show in town. I, I was that show. Uh, and uh, and uh, then other this will amaze you and interest uh, those who listen, but uh, I remember distinctly saying to one lady, um, uh, how did you hear about the tour? And she said, well, I heard about it just in our local, local. Now, when she says local, she means actually even local to Belfast, a paper that was published in one part of Belfast that isn't published really or circulated in another. And she said, um, I've spent all my life living in West Belfast and I have never been to East Belfast. Isn't that something? 
and I wanted to come on the tour. So uh, one lady told me she simply wanted to come on it because her eight-year-old daughter had been given a little project to do in school. They were reading The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And she said, I thought I would help my daughter with her schoolwork, her project. Mm. And I thought, hey, this is there's a wide range of people. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, and I, I don't want to give you any more detail on that, but that's the kind of background and uh, how this emerged. Um, and the, the, the folks locally uh, who started coming on it. And then, of course, more recently, it has now attracted uh, almost a different kind of uh, still with some locals, but an international audience mm. uh, of folk coming for very specific purposes with very specific objectives. And I'm happy if you're interested to tell you a little bit about them. Oh, yes. Um, but let, let me first say, you know, I remember, um, uh, well, I, I've gone now on the tours a couple of times, and then there was one afternoon that you showed me around another part of Belfast where there wasn't, uh, our tour didn't cover. And mm-hmm. uh, you told me that you were seeing your tours as this wonderful opportunity for what I would label as pre-evangelism, because a whole lot of non-Christians, um, they, if they've heard a little bit about C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. or they read the Chronicles of Narnia as a child, um, but they but they haven't heard the gospel or they haven't embraced the gospel. And your tours like C.S. Lewis's books, or his, his certainly his mm-hmm. Narnia books, they 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 capture the imagination and they make people want to then read more. And hopefully, some of them will read *Mere Christianity*, mm-hmm. uh, and which is so much more pointed and obviously evangelistic. Um, so I, I just I, I find this so uh, delightful that what started as Almost like I don't know a hobby or an interest of yours developed into a, a kind of a side business, but it has kingdom uh, purposes. Mm. It has evangelistic fruit uh, for some people, and I, I just think that's just just really great. Uh, you know, I, I share your enthusiasm for this, uh, and really, I enjoyed that aspect of it um, really thoroughly because. When uh, when I was doing these things, really, the, the folk who were kicking them off was our tourist board. So it was something that really had, um, uh, it didn't have any kind of church connection. And I'm just a guy on a coach with an anorak on. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing talking to people because they want to be there. Yes, yes. They, they chose to purchase a ticket. Yeah, that's right. Come on, this. I I wasn't inviting them along to something that I was running or propagating, uh, or desperately keen for them to. I mean, I was keen for them to come, but they were coming and they were responding to newspaper adverts. They were thinking this is something that would brighten up uh, an occasional winter Saturday afternoon in Belfast, and they came. They came willingly. They we were on a coach. And I had more or less a captive audience for anything up to three hours. And they were loving it because they were hearing a story that was new to them. And the thing that I really enjoyed was, you know, when we were, folk were getting off the coach um, at either various points around the tour or at the end, very often people would say to me, that was fascinating. Which bit of English literature did you teach? <laughs> and I would say, 
you know, I didn't actually teach English literature. You know, I taught engineering. (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine that their faces just were so disappointed. (laughs) Well, they were certainly surprised because the, the next question was, so what's the link between the literature and engineering? Of course, he's, yeah. He's, he's right. And uh, I very often replied, I said, you know, there is a link, and the link is logic. Mm, mm, good, 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 good. Engineering is all about mathematics and uh, basic assumptions and designing something to fit a purpose. And uh, what really appealed to me as an engineer and someone who's bread and butter, uh, all our courses relied on mathematics. What really appealed to me was his logic. Uh, And that kind of gripped him. And then the other question people used to ask me getting off the coach is, oh, that that was fascinating. Which book would you recommend that I read first? Mm. And what do you say? Ah, well, now that's an interesting question. It, it, It differs. And... Uh, in answering the question, I'm having to make some kind of a very quick assessment about the person that I'm speaking to. Sure, sure. Because not all of Lewis's books are useful for all kinds of audiences. Mm-hmm. And depending on where I thought the individual was coming to, that very often altered uh, the answer to the question. Oh, this is, uh, let's explore this a little bit, Sandy, because uh, I think some of our listeners may get some of these same questions. So, so what are some of the the ones that you offer, and and what what are some ones that you hardly ever offer? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, yes, I I certainly don't start with the abolition of man <laughs> <laughs> for everybody, but um, in in speaking to people, um, some of them express their own interests. Uh, like very often, people would say to me did Lewis ever write anything about his life story? Hmm. And uh, I would say to them, well, you know, he he never actually wrote anything that you could properly call an autobiography. Um, And I would explain what I mean by that. Um, But I'll maybe come back to the autobiography in a moment or two. But very often I would say to people, um, have you ever read any of, uh, are you interested in science fiction? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, if they had an interest, I would say, well, you know, uh, there are three books of science fiction that if you're, if that's the genre that you're interested in, and you don't have to read them in the order in which they were, they were published, but that might interest you. Um, and I would say then also uh, how familiar are, familiar are you with children's literature and with the raft of it? Because if you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, don't just immediately think, oh, these are books for children. Um, and f- for a very good reason uh, that those books can be read at uh, multiple levels. And so sometimes, uh, depending on the person I'm speaking to, I would actually recommend uh, an intro to Lewis uh, via the, the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are folk who are asking questions that are bordering on a theological nature or who are interested in Lewis's views on some things, yes, I I might well have recommended uh, mere Christianity. But I think it's important, and I I learned a lesson very rapidly at one stage in that my wife had uh, relatives who were born and brought up in Belfast, but who had gone to live in Bristol in the south of England. 
And on a visit to Belfast at one stage, they asked me, you know, about this biographical bit and is there anything written about Lewis's links with Belfast? Did he ever write anything himself? I said, well, the, the closest thing that we have that C.S. Lewis wrote himself um, was Surprised by Joy. And I said he covers a little bit about his growing up in Belfast in that. And uh, I said, in fact, here's a copy, um, take it back and to Bristol, read it, and sure, we'll discuss it next time you're back. And um, when they returned and I said, how did you get on with uh, Surprised by Joy? One or two of them surprised me by saying, oh, you know, we were wondering why you recommended that book. (laughs) (laughs) Because by the time we had reached chapter four, we had lost the will to live. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to to say that I, I I was a bit disappointed because I find the book fascinating. You know, my own copy of Surprised by Joy is now no longer a book to me. It's an old friend and uh, and it's a valued tool. Uh, I use it repeatedly in my lectures and talks and tours. Uh, I enjoy the book. Um, but uh, it is just a question of the book itself needs a little intro. Uh, people need a way into it. And I find that my tour in Belfast gives for, to many people that uh, needed um, uh, entry into Surprise by Joy. Yes. Well, you know, I remember seeing you uh, pull out your copy of Surprise by Joy on the bus as we were being around. I thought, wow, he really has read that book a lot. It is falling apart. Um, and But I, I have to say, I'm, I'm one of those people who, I, I wouldn't quite say I lost the will to live, but um, he does get bogged down in the middle chapters about his education. And I, I very often recommend to people, I say, uh, read, I, and I don't remember the exact number, but these many chapters, and then the, mm-hmm. the next several chapters or however many, you can skim rather quickly because he just goes mm-hmm. into so much more detail about his education and the difficulties about it that uh, I don't know if it's all that mm-hmm. crucial, but then I, I don't want them to <laughs> quit early uh, because the, <laughs> the the last part about his, about, about his uh, I would say, his two-stage conversion. There's the conversion from atheism to theism, where he says he was the most reluctant convert. But then there was a second when he actually became a Christian. And um, uh, that's, uh, and I know a lot of people resonate with either that aspect of things or that whole theme of joy, that theme that pervaded his life of a longing that could never be totally satisfied. And it was a pointer to another world. And he articulates that so very well, I think, in Surprise by Joy, that in in my mind, it's worth reading, even if you have to skim the middle chapters. Well, you see, uh, that's the bit that I, I emphasize most when I'm doing that bit of the tour. Uh, and uh, it's one of the things that uh, we'll, we'll maybe talk uh, in a moment or two uh, about, you, you know, the contribution that Belfast has to the to C.S. Lewis's mm. life, but, all, but also his thinking. And, you know, if anyone comes to Belfast, uh, particularly if they encounter me uh, and leave w- without this notion of what he called in his technical sense, joy, that is a, a really important thing to focus on 
wild folk are in Belfast. Because really, he, he says in that book that uh, you know the rest of his life is about nothing else. Yes, yes. It, it's the pursuit of that, that joy, that longing. And of course, that longing originated here in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, uh, you know, that started at the location where he was born. I'll return to my conversation on questions that matter in just a second. But I I would like to invite each and every one of you to prayerfully consider becoming a ministry partner with the C.S. Lewis Institute. Our ministry is about discipleship, discipleship of the heart and mind, helping people love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. Um, But as you might guess, a a ministry of discipleship is not always the most exciting thing that uh, people consider. Um, but we, we believe that your tuning into this podcast probably indicates that you've had very positive experiences and have benefited from the Institute over the years. So please click the button that says donate and become a ministry partner with us. You know, I remember the first day of the tour, you took us to this uh, tall building where we could see in a lot of direction and we could see these yeah. hills. And yeah. uh, because Lewis talks about that early on in, in Surprised by Joy, about it was looking up to these hills that first started this this longing for another world. And um, once once I saw those hills, it was OK. I, I just get it now on a much, much deeper yeah. level. Well, you see, whenever we stood there and with the group you were with, and with, I do this with all groups, we stand there. And look out where where Lewis was born is technically in County Down, and you're looking out across to the hills of County Antrim, the plateau that runs from Belfast really right up to the north coast. But he's looking over at this hillside, and what he's seeing on that hillside is nestled halfway up that hillside is a castle, Belfast Castle, and then um, on that hillside there is the profile of the sleeping giant which it was partly the inspiration for Jonathan Swift and his Gulliver's mm, Travels mm. and the, the Sleeping Giant of Lilliput. That, that's the view from the, the nursery where C.S. Lewis spent his childhood <laughs> looking at north and west. But if you went to the front of the house in the days in which the Lewis family lived there and you're looking south and east, you're seeing the Castle Ray Hills. And actually, from where I'm sitting now speaking to you, it's a beautiful uh, evening, and I'm actually looking out at the Castlereagh mm-hmm. Hills. Now, the difference in me looking out at them tonight, I can see them. I can see the profile here. I'm sitting looking at it. But when he was looking at it, he was looking at it as a child, as a five-year-old. And, of course, it's a five-year-old, a five-year-old in 1903. Uh, the road network isn't what it was today. Half of the building, well, more than half of the buildings, most of the buildings that are were in front of his house, they weren't there. And uh, But as a child, he could see these hills, but he had no possibility of ever reaching them. Ah. They are beyond walking distance. Right. And, and there is no vehicular, uh, you know, there, there wasn't a car sitting at their front door mm. that, they, that they could get into and take a drive out into the hills. They were there. I mean, his father's mode of transport, getting home from his office in Belfast, was a horse-drawn tram <laughs> for part of the way, and the rest of the distance he walked. So 
Lewis makes this point very clearly uh, in in his book that the hills were visible, but they were unattainable. Ah, yes. Oh, that's beautiful. That's his word. That isn't my word. That's his. You they were could have visible. taken credit for it, Sandy. That would have been okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was this distance between the hills and himself, and that and then the castle on the other side and the sleeping giant, and. That, plus the story that you know well of his brother's little toy garden, which we might come to in a moment or two. But those things combined to create the sense of distance, of something that was not attainable beyond his reach. Mm. And it created this longing. Yes. Visible, but not attainable. Oh, my. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about, about that uh, that biscuit tin, because I remember you told <laughs> that story. Now, Lewis tells it early on in Surprised by Joy. But what I remember was we uh, we took a bus ride and we went to the building uh, that was uh, the first place C.S. Lewis ever lived when he first came uh, from yes. the first born. And there's this little blue plaque on the side of the wall that says uh, birthplace of C.S. Lewis. And I think it says writer and author and his dates. And I remember thinking, if I didn't have Sandy Smith here to tell me this story, I would be amazingly disappointed because I would have, you know, if I was doing this on my own uh, and I would have, you know, found this in a pamphlet or a booklet and I would go and I'd read, this is where C.S. Lewis was born. And then I'd leave and say, um, I don't know if it was worth the trouble. There was traffic and I'd cross a busy road. I almost got killed because people drive funny there. Um, but yeah. you, uh, we stood outside that building and you told the story about Lewis's brother bringing in the biscuit tin. And I, 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 I was mesmerized and, um, and love that memory of standing at that spot. So, so tell us a little bit of that story. We, we want to let people read it in Surprise by Joy, but, but recreate a little bit for us here. Yes, well, you have set the scene perfectly. Yes, it's uh, it's today uh, a very uh, ordinary avenue, uh, Dundella Avenue, where Lewis's birthplace is marked with the blue plaque, and uh, the words on the blue pl- on that blue plaque uh, are C.S. Lewis. It gives his dates, 1898 to 1963. Uh, um, Christian author and apologist. Now, it's interesting that when, as you said, you've set the scene perfectly, it's a very ordinary setting. The building that he was born in uh, were two houses in a very rural setting. Um, Those buildings are gone. But the story is what uh, you need to tell to grip people's imagination of him telling of the two boys. His his brother was uh, three years older than him. They are sent out in uh, a summer morning. One of the, uh, the, the family had employed a nurse to help with the children when they were both small. And his brother, Warney, is uh, sent out into the garden and given the lid of a biscuit tin to play with. And of course, uh, what he does is he goes around this uh, fairly large garden. Uh, he, he adorns it with pulling moss off the garden, um, laying it down to make the moss look like a little lawn. And then he puts twigs and uh, petals and flowers and leaves and he adorns the biscuit tin to make it look like a toy garden and when it's finished he presents it to his younger brother as a piece of finished artwork this little toy <laughs> and Lewis says he remembers three distinct things about that moment in time he remembered how it smelled there was the smell of the damp moss but also the smell of a flowering current bush 
uh, flowering currant bush in this country, if you squeeze the leaves of a flowering currant, the scent would remain on your fingertips for many hours mm. after. Um, it's quite a strong smell. And Lewis said of that moment in time, he said for the rest of his life, he could never pass a flowering currant without remembering that morning and the the biscuit tin in the garden. But he, he goes on to, to tell us two other things about it. He said he remembers its aesthetic appeal, uh, the color, the variegation on the leaves, the texture. Um, but the other thing is he remembers how it felt because in looking at the artwork, he instantly had a longing. The scent and the smell, uh, the beautiful color filled him with a longing and he didn't know what it, he described the, the feeling of longing. He said it, it gave him an, an anxiety. There was, there was a tension, something that he couldn't understand. And years later, he very often asked himself uh, that this, the, the child, C.S. Lewis, as a child, what was it that caused that tension, that anxiety, when looking at a little piece of his brother's artwork in the garden of their home in East Belfast? And he felt that this was an arrow sent to him to remind him there is something else. Mm. And he, this longing was for something that was missing. Um, and I think that's an important bit to get over. And uh, in talking in a tour on, in Belfast, that's an important point to leave people with. And um, I do leave folk with that uh, feeling on the tour. And it's interesting. It's one of the things that sticks in, in people's oh, minds. Yes. Uh, like it, like it did stick in yours. Perhaps you've heard the story of Rosaria Butterfield, a tenured English professor at Syracuse University and a lesbian who became a Christian through the long, patient witness of Ken Smith, a Reformed Presbyterian church. Maybe you've read Rosaria Butterfield's book, Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. Well, we have the great privilege through the C.S. Lewis Institute to hear from both of them Rosaria Butterfield and Ken Smith on a live stream event coming on Friday, March 27th at 8 p.m. It'll be a great time to hear some of the behind the scenes stories and just to hear both of their voices of how this connection was first made, what they first thought of each other, and what we as followers of Jesus Christ can learn about interacting with people who may seem very, very different from us. So please go to our website, cslewisinstitute.org slash friendship and register for the event. It's free, but we do need for you to register. Again, that's Friday night, March 27th at 8 p.m. Well, um, you know, I, I think that there are, well, I, I mean, Lewis spells it out in, in Mere Christianity in his chapter on hope, but I, I think there are a whole lot of people who resonate with that, but they've never had anybody draw it out in them. Um, yeah, he articulates what they're feeling, what they have felt. They, they feel the same longing. Yeah. And yep. I think for a lot of people, it's they just squelch it, like, "Oh, I'm just, I'm just being, you know, over sentimental or something." Or, "Come on, I, you know, that's that's for children. Children, you know, do that." And Lewis is the mm -hmm. one who says, um, "Well, yeah, you could go either of those directions, you know, cynicism or you know, squelching it, or, 
or hedonism, I guess. But but Lewis is the one who even, and he says it, the most logical explanation. Well, I, I don't think it is the most logical explanation for most people. But when he says it, you go, of course. The most logical explanation is if I keep having these experiences that, that I was made for another world. world. And, uh, yeah, that's exactly the point. So uh, you've given me a whole <laughs> new vision for praying for you, Sandy, because I'm, I'm going to pray that when, when you take people to that spot outside that building and tell that story, th that it would be an arrow in their hearts as well. Um, uh, like I said, otherwise, it's just a brick wall with a blue plaque on it. <laughs> That's exactly what it is, you know. And he, the interesting thing about that, Randy, is that uh, Lewis did use the word joy. And he said, you know, the joy in his sense was different from either pleasure or happiness. Mm -hmm. Because he said, pleasure you can to some extent if you have enough money. And if there are some things that give you pleasure, you can buy them and recreate them. But the thing about joy is it comes with the unexpected stab when you don't expect it. And people who might at one stage poo-poo it and um, want to explain it in some other way, when they're least expecting yes. it, they feel, they feel the same thing right. again. And it's like being stabbed all over again. Well, <laughs> if, if I can take just a moment. Uh, so for me, yeah. uh, for me, that moment came... Uh, every Saturday night when I went to the Philadelphia Academy of Music to hear concerts. And I, I mm. thought I was going to find what I was looking for in a piece of music. But every piece of music disappointed. Um, e even the most satisfying piece of music, well, they came to an end. Um, and it, it was this, it was, it was great, great pleasure of hearing the music, but a stab at the end of every concert. And it was when I read Lewis's chapter on hope that I went, that's it. That's, that's why Tchaikovsky and Debussy and Dvorak and Rachmaninoff leave me unsatisfied, even though I love, I just love the music, but sometimes the, sometimes the, the, that, that moment dissipates and disappears even before the piece of music is over so anyway well um i i, I want to tell our listeners also that there was another thing for me on the tour that was so very helpful being in belfast and then then going to oxford it 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 helped me see i i read and thought of lewis much more as the oxford don the academic scholar in his study reading books and writing books and that is certainly true that is a huge part of who he is um but there's the irishman the storytelling joke telling uh sitting around with the friend in the pub that i grew to appreciate by being in very very green lush belfast and hearing you tell stories I, it was like oh Lewis was much more of an Irishman than an Englishman. And I hope I don't get in trouble from who knows how many people for saying that. <laughs> but um, but so that that's what your uh, tour guiding uh, helped me with. Um, uh, we, we're coming to the end of our time. I, I want to try to push this if I can a little bit. I hope this isn't uh, too bad. But uh, so how how has all of this affected you? in your own personal walk with the Lord. You're, you, you study Lewis, you take people around. What, what, what have been some things that have deepened your faith or strengthened your spiritual growth in all of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yes, thanks for that question, Randy. Um, I, I first encountered Lewis in my late teens. <clears throat> And uh, I had been really brought up in a, a, a Christian home, um, but 
I had never really been challenged about life's big questions. And uh, there had been uh, an acceptance. And when I went off to, uh, to university, arrived in Queens, I discovered that there are people who were very entrenched, uh, that they just didn't believe the gospel that I was brought up to believe. They had serious questions about it. And that was kind of a, a taking stock a couple of years for me. And uh, I encountered Lewis at a time when I was struggling with the life's big questions, like the problem of pain mm -hmm. and suffering in mm -hmm. our world. Uh, and I think really that I wouldn't, uh, well, uh, the other thing that Lewis said was you never know the story that might have been. You only get to know the story that mm -hmm. there was. But I think, I think had I not encountered Lewis's writings at that point, I may not have had a walk with mm. the Lord. I think I was on a trajectory where uh, I could have abandoned things that I had grown up to believe very fervently by my late teens. And so I really attribute uh, encountering Lewis's writing, plus one other person um, that I encountered at a critical stage of my life that uh, uh, today means that I do have a walk with the Lord. And what uh, the, the feature since that is that not only was there a, a rescue of me by Lewis back all those years ago, but uh, reading his books still, even books that I have read over mm -hmm, and over mm -hmm. again, I find them sustaining me. And I read little snippets that I've read before and just the wonder of them strikes me yes. all over again. And so I thought, yes, that is the fact of the matter. Uh, I have read that before, but it comes with a very sustaining confidence that, yes, I understood that when I first read it, and uh, it, it has remained with me, and I, I can use that and mediate that to others. And I have that experience repeatedly when I read and reread uh, Lewis's books. Oh, that is great. Thank you for sharing that. And um, well, we could talk a whole lot more, but I, I, I just want, <laughs> I want to leave people just a little bit like a, like a tease. So they say, I've got to go on one of these tours. And uh, so let me be uh, shameless in putting a plug for our C.S. Lewis Institute study tour of Belfast and Oxford. Uh, Lord willing, we're planning to go back again in the fall of 2021. Lord willing and uh, a relief from COVID. Um, and if somehow you end up at yourself in uh, Belfast, uh, check out uh, Find Sandy online. You can find out tours, and um, uh, I, I think you will you, you'll love Belfast. And by the way, it's it's a, it's a good thing to do on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> so, oh wait, people might want to go to church too. That's good. Well, a Sunday afternoon will work. Um, anyway, Sandy, it's been a joy having you on. Uh, we're going to sign off now. Let me say to our listeners that we hope that this podcast and all of our podcasts and all of our resources uh, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. They help you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. <laughs>